a tow truck to tow your car. Tow your car. Tow your car. Do you need a tow truck to tow your car? Mr. Tow Truck is right here. Do you need a tow truck to tow your car? Tow your car. Tow your car. Do you need a tow truck to tow your car? Mr. Tow Truck is right here. Welcome to another episode of TCU's Three Wise Men, where your three favorite geniuses give their not-so-genius takes on TCU and other interesting topics. Today, we are two again. Barrett luckily survived AIDS. It was a close call, but he made it through. Connor got his car towed. I don't know how. He was, he was in Fort Worth somewhere after the Baylor game today and got his car towed. So he won't be able to join us today. That being said, let's get straight into yesterday's game or Saturday's game against Baylor. Barrett, what happened? Yeah, so Frogs looked really good in this game. Um, we, I've, I've talked about how um, Kansas State's Will Howard is kind of like a a two-face version. You don't, don't know which version you're going to get. seems like we've gotten a similar situation with Josh Hoover. This year, we got the good version of him. Um, he looked incredible in this game, and our offense was moving the ball well. We didn't necessarily run the ball that great, but throwing for over 400 yards on over 80% completion percentage, that's fine by me. Um, Defensive-wise... Our linebacking core was flying all over the place. Namdi and Shad Banks were disrupting plays all over the field. Dom Williams was getting really great pressure out of the defensive tackle up the middle. We didn't necessarily do a great job in containment, I would say. Um, But overall, Frogs played great. Yeah, I think this was definitely one of Shad's better games of the year. So it was good to see him get back to flying, flying towards the ball. Um, I I didn't think Imani Bailey played particularly well. I don't know if that is the offensive line or him, but he had 16 carries for 53 yards and his touchdown runs were 27 yards and 31 yards, which if you can do some quick maths, adds up to 58 yards. He had 53 total yards, which means on his 14 other carries that weren't touchdowns, he had a net negative five yards rushing. Again, maybe the offensive line, maybe it's him and not really seeing the field terribly well, but negative five yards rushing on 14 carries is not particularly good. Yeah, I think that that stems more from the interior of the offensive line. We've continued to talk about them struggling throughout the season. Um, Baylor did a good job of getting penetration, getting penetration early in run place and kind of throwing Imani off of his groove. It seemed to me that where whenever we had success, it was running him to the outside or him bouncing to the outside and just using his speed to beat people. Um, evidently, that's what happened with basically both of his touchdowns. And so I think this stems largely from us not being able to get a push on the offensive line, especially on the inside. And they, again, they struggled in pass protection. Also, I thought the tackles did okay. Obviously Hoover 
balled out this game, so it didn't really matter that much. But, um, yeah, Baylor was aggressive in the run defense, and it kind of forced our hand into running with Hoover, and luckily Hoover had a great game. Yeah, I think your point about running to the outside is interesting because Riles refuses to do it. He just refuses to run outside. Bailey's two runs were when he bounced it outside. I think that's especially because we have good tackles. That's the only part of yeah. That that's the only part of our offensive line that is good. I don't understand why we don't use them. Yeah, our our team is built pretty well to run the ball to the outside. You've got two massive tackles that are both like six seven. On the outside, you've got Jared Wiley, who's also 6'7", which provides really good run blocking and length on that outside. Um, to your point, I don't think Bryles necessarily utilizes that super well to his advantage. We run a lot of zone run schemes da- down the middle. Um, Imani Bailey is not necessarily built to be a power back to run through people. Like He's pretty strong for a guy his size. But his real strength is his speed, and if you can get him to the outside and get him in a foot race, he's going to outrun nine out of ten players. And I think Bryles needs to do a little bit better job of utilizing the strengths that he has in his team and playing within that. Um, Similar to what we saw kind of a a couple weeks ago where we utilized Savion downfield, and, and it worked out well. He had a fantastic game. I thought this week he was a little quieter, but still had a pretty good game. But Savion's strength is going up and getting one-on-one contested balls and utilizing his size and his athleticism to beat the corner. We need to do a better job of utilizing that. Um, Again, he had an okay game this game. It wasn't anything spectacular, but at least he's getting utilized. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to have a good game with Wiley doing what he did. Josh just spread the ball around. Wiley ended up having the game that Savion had last week. And that's maybe how this offense goes. I would like to see Bryles, because at this point, with the game against Baylor, he's back next year. Doesn't matter if you like it or not, he'll be back. Unless unless Texas A&M decides that he is their guy. For head coach. But I would like to see Bryles use the players that he has and fit his system to the players, not the players to his system, because that's where we've gotten in trouble this year. Yeah, and and to that point, he, he did a pretty good job of using Major Everhart this game um, and utilizing his speed, getting him in motion, getting him out on the outside so that he can make plays. Um, I think that JPR goes a little underutilized in the slot. Um, he's a guy who can has really strong, sure hands and can get you that first down nine times out of ten. I think we need to do a better job of utilizing that. To your point, Bryles has shown that he consistently has a very strong, I would say, base system but he doesn't necessarily make any tweaks to that system to be able to utilize his team's strengths or to adjust to what the defense is showing him. And that's where what we've seen throughout the past few weeks is where whenever TCU's offense is struggling, 
a lot of the times it's because Bryles isn't making changes to his game plan. He's running with the same game plan, and it's either working or it's not. And one week, this week, it worked. Last week, not so much. Um, and so I think that that kind of goes to show the lack of foresight or insight from Bryles on like utilizing his team's streaks to his advantage and making changes and adjustments. Yeah. Well put. Uh, on the other hand, I think that Joe Gillespie does use the defense pretty well. Even in the games that we've lost this year, a lot of the times the defense has been on the field the majority of the game because the offense runs so quickly and they've been put in bad situations. Last er, On Saturday, the defense gave up two drives of over 50 yards again. That was pretty much it for Baylor's offense. The rest of the game, under 50-yard drives, they had a field goal, and I think that drive is like 41 yards or something like that. So I think I think that just shows the difference between the two coordinators. I do want to give a shout-out to our linebacking core. I thought they've played great, like I said. Um, I think that the way that our defense is built, we need to have speed in the linebacking core. And as much as I love Johnny Hodges, uh, he's just so slow in coverage. We we need to have Shad Banks back there. The, his ability to cover a quarterback on a spy, if they're a mobile quarterback, or cover receivers in space really helps out our defense. On another kind of negative side, Avery Helm, if you look at him, like he's our biggest, strongest, fastest cornerback that we have, really. And you would think that he's got all these athletic tools to be a lockdown corner. He has not necessarily impressed me this season. I think Josh Newton has done a decent job, honestly, in coverage. He's he's been pretty good. I think Avery has been very lacking. Um, given the fact that he is definitely our most athletic cornerback, he should be better in coverage than he is or has been at least. Yeah. But really the entire game went well for the frogs. I want to give a shout out to Jordy Sandy (laughs) because he didn't get his curtain call on Saturday. Didn't see the field at all, except for, um, holding the ball for Kell's extra points and field goals. Uh, thought that was kind of funny. He's been at TCU for 30 years and doesn't get to play on his final game. <laughs> and with that, we're going to move into our awards. Barrett, who was the golden player of the game? Yeah, golden player of the game. This is a pretty easy one. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Jared Wiley. He knows the pyramids aren't real. He showcased it. He showed him up in this game. Seven catches, 178 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Josh Hoover was talking about it after the game. He said every time he looked his way, he was running wide open down the middle of the field. And that's exactly what it looked like from a stat line. The, the dude was incredible this game. Yeah, I think six out of seven of his catches went for first downs. Yeah. yeah. Can't really complain about that. The Franken Sensational Player for the Week goes to Josh Huber. He is 24 for 29, passing 412 yards, two touchdowns. More importantly, he had zero turnover-worthy throws, which 
huge improvement. And I saw today that there are two players in like the past 10 years, or maybe it might have been ever, to have over 400 yards passing and multiple touchdowns in their first five games as a starter. Those two quarterbacks are C.J. Stroud and Josh Hoover. So, sky's the limit for the guy. Happy for him. Barrett, who do we want to see more out of? Yeah, we, we touched on this a little earlier. We've touched on it multiple times throughout this season. It's the offensive line. At, I would say more specifically the interior of the offensive line. They haven't been able to get a push in the run game. and We've seen that in the past couple of weeks where Imani Bailey just hasn't been able to get it going. They haven't been able to block worth anything in, in pass protection. Um, and Josh has been running for his life. I, they just need to be better. It, you can't have a functioning offense without an offensive line that can't do its job. Yep. Simple as. With that, we're going to move on to Oklahoma. Oklahoma really struggled last week against BYU, which is kind of surprising. They won by one touchdown. Uh, something to take note out of is that Dylan Gabriel left the game and only played one half against BYU. Don't know why. I looked earlier today. Couldn't tell. It was an undisclosed injury. Jackson Arnold is their backup five-star true freshman. He's the top overall player in Texas last year and the 10th overall player in the country. The guy can play. Surprised he went to OU because they don't really have a good offense or offensive-minded coach, but he's there, and he played really, he played well enough for them to win against BYU. I think we just need to really put pressure on him. We need to blitz all night. Overall, I think Oklahoma as a team is relatively unimpressive. That's not to say that we're going to win, but I think the record is very over, overinflated because they play – weak teams in the Big 12 besides Texas, who I also think is overrated. They struggled against BYU, and I think that's just the crux of it. Barrett, what do we need to be watching out for from a scheme standpoint this week? Yep, so Brent Venables is their head coach, previously the defensive coordinator at Clemson back when they were actually good. Um, He's honestly, I think, a pretty good coach that he will basically be running their defense. Um, Ted Roof is their defensive coordinator, but let's be honest, it's really Brent Venables. Um, Usually Venables is extremely aggressive in defense. Um, He'll send a lot of blitzes. Um, He he likes to put pressure on the quarterback and basically cause havoc. And so with, a quarterback who is a freshman like Josh Hoover, that can definitely cause some issues. We need to be able to move the ball quickly and get it out of his hands before the defensive pressure can get to us. Um, on the offensive side, their offensive coordinator is Jeff Levy. And Levy the way that his offense works is basically attacking space wherever that space is. So he'll run a lot of 
vertical downfield throws. He'll run a lot of screens to get his playmakers into space and have the ability to make plays one-on-one against defenders. And so what that will look like for us, we run a lot of kind of one-on-one man coverage in this scheme that we have and tend to pack the middle of the field. I expect them to use their speed on the outside and try and take a lot of deep shots. And similarly, they'll run a lot of like jailbreak screens, bubble screens, just trying to force us to make those one-on-one tackles and make those plays to keep them from getting a big play downfield. Now, with that being said, TCU has struggled in recent games to tackle just as a whole. And I think that that is something to note for this game, where if we are not able to make that one-on-one tackle, they are going to run right over us. Um, We have to be very, very disciplined in this game. Hope to avoid a lot of pass interference calls on deep shots down the field, one-on-one again. It's really difficult for the corner to cover a one-on-one, especially if it's an underthrown ball and the receiver's coming back to the ball. Um, we, we can't beat ourselves in this game. We, we can't shoot ourselves in the foot. I think that's really every game this season we've shot ourselves in the foot, sometimes multiple times, very early in the game. But yeah, this this will be an interesting matchup for us because the way their offense works is it's basically just like beat your man type offense a lot of the times. And so if our corners are on and they're having a really good day, we could force some picks, force some turnovers and really stifle their offense. If they're having an off day, it's going to be bloody. <laughs> yeah, I think they got to have a good day. We're one game from bowl eligibility. We need to win this game more than Oklahoma does, frankly. And that's all I have to say about that. Win it for the Big 12. Win it for the Big 12. Plus, it would hurt Texas's strength of schedule, which we may need to do. Moving on to picks for the week because Connor decided to have his car towed and parked illegally. Uh, TCU versus OU, Barrett. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick the Frogs here, but I this is going to go one of two ways. I think we either blow them out or they either blow us out. I'm going to pick as a homer and pick the Frogs, but I honestly think this is a bit of a toss-up. Yeah, this is the potentially the last game of the season for TCU. I think they realize that and come out on, with their hair on fire, we win the game. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer than Barrett does. Texas Tech versus the University of Texas. Well, Connor's betting option is now off the table. So I don't necessarily have to side with that anymore. So with that being said, I think I'm probably going to side with UT. At, I don't necessarily think UT has looked that great yet they've still come out on top in a lot of these games so there's something to be said of that similar to tcu last year where a lot of people ragged the tcu horn frogs 
last year under Max Duggan because we won a lot of tight games against not great opponents. Texas has done basically the same thing this year. So I'm going to ride with UT. I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to take Texas Tech on the hope and prayer that Joey McGuire somehow gets his team fired up enough to turn Austin into Lubbock where everything runs through. (laughs) Houston versus UCF. God, this is the definition of a mid-off. Yep. I will say. I think Um, most Big 12 games are this year. Yeah, I think UCF wins this one. I think they run the ball down Houston's throats. I agree with you. I don't think that UCF can – or that uh, Houston can keep up with UCF if UCF can control the time of the game. BYU versus – Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State seems to have finally gotten their team figured out. Um, Ollie Watkins tweaked an injury last game. I don't think it's anything crazy, but it is something to note because he's been basically their entire offense this year. Um, that being said, I, I think OS. I think Oklahoma State still comes out on top on this one. There are one shot to keep OU and UT both out of the championship. Yeah, Oklahoma State needs to win this in order to stay viable for the championship. I think it's between them and Kansas State right now, opposite Texas, which Kansas State-Texas would be an interesting rematch. But I think Oklahoma State will take it. Ollie Gordon's too good. West Virginia at Baylor. West Virginia all the way. Yep. I think that's a very easy one. Kansas versus Cincinnati. Um, I made some bets earlier this year, assuming that Jalen Daniels was going to come back and play, and he never did. Uh, I'm not going to make that same mistake with Jason Bean. I I think Cincinnati actually pulls off the upset here because I don't think Kansas is going to have a quarterback. I am going to go with Kansas. I thought their freshman looked good against Kansas State. They almost pulled that game out. Granted, it's a rivalry game. Weird things can happen, but still, thought it looked good. Iowa State at Kansas State. Iowa State, give me Matt Campbell all the way. I know Matt Campbell has had his ups and downs in his career, but I can't help but think that he's still a pretty good coach. And so I'm going to ride with Matt Campbell. I think that Kansas State's going to win this game. I don't know how the Big 12 standings work out. I know Oklahoma State beat both Kansas State and Oklahoma. They have All three have the same conference record, but the head-to-head doesn't matter because Kansas State and Oklahoma haven't played or something like that. So the head-to-head doesn't matter. So I think Kansas State's actually in right now on like point differential or something like that. I Again, I don't know. I know Kansas State needs to win this game, though, if they want to keep their big 12 title chances 
around. Yeah. Moving into rivalry week games around the country, we have Michigan versus the Ohio State University. Uh, I think Ohio State wins this one, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. J.J. McCarthy did not impress without the other team's play calls against a very ungood Maryland team. Um, I think that continues with a much better Ohio State team than Maryland. Granted, I don't think Cal McCord is the truth. I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. is and Travian Henderson, and I think they're going to ride both those players to the promised land. Yeah, I agree. I do think that across the country, we need to start the conversation for Connor Stallions as coach of the year. Because you look at Michigan with him on their on their coaching or on their sidelines, and they play really well. You take them off the sidelines, they're not that good. Connor Stallions has an impact on that team, and I can't be understated. So, Oregon State versus Oregon. Uh, I think Oregon State wins this one. They almost pulled off the win against Washington. If you guys watched that game, great game to watch. It was back and forth pretty much the whole game. Um, I think that Oregon State will have a strong rushing attack in this game and eat up a lot of the clock for an Oregon team that is predicated on having its offense on the field. And I think they come out on top. I think Oregon takes it. It's at Oregon. Oregon State just got dealt a death blow to their Pac-12 championship hopes. They're still a really good team, but I think Oregon will take it. Florida State at Florida. Ooh, no Jordan Travis. Uh, Don't want to talk about his leg injury. That looked horrible, so prayers up for him. I am... I thought their backup looked okay. Not great. I think Florida wins this one just because it's a rivalry game and weird things happen. I'm picking Florida State because I think if they still go undefeated, which is a reality, which is very possible, they will be in over Texas no matter who their quarterback is. And I think it would be hilarious to have Texas at 12-1 and if they beat Tech and then win the Big 12 championship and don't get in the playoffs because there are four undefeated conference champions. So I am praying that Florida State can do it and, and make the playoffs. Last but not least for our rivalries, this might be the biggest rivalry of them all. We have Wyoming versus Nevada. <laughs> uh, let's go with the Cowboys. They're 7-4 this year. They look really good. They've had a couple close losses, one against UT, which I actually picked them to win. Riding Wyoming to the promised land. Yeah, the three wise men are Wyoming truthers. We are always supporting the Cowboys. I'm going to take Wyoming as well. Now, for our more important games of the week, the Division II playoffs are going on right now. So we drew some games from that. 
First off, we have Tiffin versus Slippery Rock. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think Lane Tiffin's going to pull this one out of the hat. Uh, Slippery Rock, their running backs are just too slippery. They're they're going to run right over them. I think picking Slippery Rock is a little bit of a slippery slope. Tiffin will take this one. Next up we have, and I think we've had this, this school on before, I can't remember, but Colorado School of the Mines against Augustana. Uh, CSM, man, I had a high school basketball teammate go play for their team. Um, so I, I got a ride with CSM. I was born in August. So I'm going to be taking Augustana. <laughs> Lastly, we have the battle of two states. Some they might be the biggest states: Delta State versus Valdosta State. Oh gosh, Delta State is the fighting okra, if I remember right. <laughs> um. So I got to ride with them. I used to know their like alma mater or their cheer or whatever, but yeah. Why? Camp, man. Weird things happen. <laughs> I, I'm going to agree with you. I used to drive by Delta State uh, on my drive from North Carolina to TCU a couple times a year through Mississippi. So I'm going to ride with my home drive team. <laughs> Finally, we have Team 1 versus Team 2. Uh, I think I picked Team 2 last time, right? Yeah. They won again, I think, so I'm riding with them again. If it ain't Alrighty. broke, don't fix it. I picked against you last time, and that didn't go to my benefit once again. So, I will be picking Team 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> Barrett knows the magic with the picks wrapped up we're going to move to some other sports around tcu uh barrett what happened this week around tcu man our um our women's volleyball team got two dubs this week beating rice 67 to 42 and incarnate word 88 to 55 so props to them for pulling out the dubs starting out the season strong Volleyball, however, different story. We had a loss at number 21, Houston. We lost all three sets in that match. So got to be better than that. Unfortunately, hopefully we can turn the tides. Tennis, I'll let you take over because I know you're our tennis pro here. So, <laughs> yeah, the new individual rankings came out. There's a little bit of a lull here for the tennis season before the indoors start. But TCU had... Three players ranked in the top 30 and four players ranked overall. In tennis, they ranked the top 125 singles players. I think that's just because there are so many. But Jack Pennington is the highest ranked TCU player, I believe, since Cam Norrie in 2016. Pennington's ranked number three in the country right now. Pedro Vives is ranked number 14. Sebastian Gorsny is ranked number 30. Uh, we're tied with Texas, actually, for the most players ranked in the top 30. Texas is the top two players in the country. 
in doubles, we have the most ranked pairs in the country. We have Sebastian Gorsny and Pedro Vives. They're ranked number seven. Duncan Chan and Louis Maxted are ranked number 15. And Thomas Girasek and Julian Alonso are ranked number 58, and they rank the top 60 doubles duos. All of this is without Jake Fernley. So when he comes back, he was ranked number seven or number eight in the first rankings to come out this year. He's, he took the fall off. When he comes back, I assume he'll be ranked back in the top 10. So that's two top 10 ranked singles players. And he and Jack Pennington will be, I believe, our number one or number two doubles duo. So he'll be ranked in doubles as well, most likely. Our tennis team setting up to go again against Texas, probably in the indoor and outdoor finals. We're setting up for a really strong season. TCU, tennis school. Tennis school. I think we need to move on to basketball now. Yeah, man. We had two games this past week. I got really busy and couldn't put out a round ball review for our mid game, midweek game, but that's all right because we'll talk about it right now. We played University of Texas Rio Grande Valley and won 88 to 55. Barrett, what happened in that game? Man, I. We, we came out on top in a big blowout win, obviously, but the Frogs honestly looked really sloppy this game. We had 18 turnovers, which just should not happen against a team of this caliber. And Avery Anderson, I think, was a large part of that, in all honesty. The dude runs 100 miles an hour all the time, turns the ball over a lot, He'll make some like really cool plays in transition just because he's moving at such high pace, which is cool. And he's a freak athlete, but like he's going to give people heart attacks this year with how out of control he plays. Um, man, I, I don't know what to say about that other than like, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. That's Damien ball. Like, two years ago when ball didn't actually have <laughs> any control whatsoever. Yeah. Um, other than that, we were eight of 17 from the three point line, which is positive momentum compared to where we were last year. So continuing to see some goodness there. Same thing from the free throw line, 10 of 11. Great improvement over last year. Like any, any improvement we can get from last year on either of those, I will hundred percent take. Um, also, we out-rebounded UTRGV, which is weird saying some school with like five letters in their acronym, but um, 44 to 26. So did a really good job of controlling the boards, controlling the pace of the game, um, not letting them get into a momentum, not letting them get second chance points. Um, overall, I thought the Frogs looked pretty good. I will say like... We need to get rid of our press scheme. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work. No. It hasn't worked. Nope. And Jamie continues to run it. Um, and and you can kind of – I know you have some choice thoughts about that, so I'll let you kind of take it from here. Yeah, I think our press is one of the worst in the country. And I think that we haven't been hurt by it yet this season because we've played crap teams. But if the teams wanted to, they could have a three-on-two or a three-on-one every single time if they pressed. It's an easy layup. 
because in our we run like a two two one and or a one two two and the front two guys automatically move to trap if they swing the ball to the other side of the court we still have two guys in that first corner we have one sprinting towards the ball which leaves two in the backcourt and one in just moves towards the middle so that he can try and take off, try and do something. And then there's a three-on-one, easy easy three-on-one. They have an open three or an open layup if they can move the ball and take the shot. It doesn't work. We need to do a man press if we press it all or just like a token, some token pressure. But right now we're pressing after every single made free throw. And... It's not working. We need to change the press. It's terrible. It's not fun to watch as a fan. It's not fun to watch as a ball knower. So get rid of it, Jamie, please. Yeah, it, it creates a lot of easy baskets for for the other team. <laughs> yeah, for the other team. If if the other team moves the ball like very basically well, they'll get an open look nine times out of ten. Yep. And presses are supposed to get easy baskets for us when we steal the ball, not for yep. the other team. Oh, Lord. I don't like our press. I like a lot of what Jamie Dixon does on defense. The press is not it. Yep. On, on the offensive side, um, Coles looked fantastic in this game. Um, you have some notes here on, like, he'll probably be our leading scorer for this season. Um, however, that's kind of with the caveat of the fact that like we have a very balanced offense this year. Um, you've got guys like Coles, Miller, you have Nelson Jr., who is, I think, a very quiet scorer. Um, he puts up like 10, 15 points a game without you ever really realizing it. Um, you've got Tennyson who can come off the bench and give you some high high powered offense. Now you're missing our second leading scorer. Yeah. Yeah. Micah Peavy has turned it on this year. He's our second leading scorer through four games. Yeah. But all, all that goes to say that we have a lot of balance on this team that we have not had previously. Usually it's been kind of Mike Miles or bust. Um, and with the way that this team is built out, it bodes well that any one person can go off on any given night. Having a team that has balanced scoring options makes it so that if you have one guy that's not playing well, the other three, four guys that are your scoring options can step up to the plate. Yeah. And then there's Ernest Uday, which I honestly don't think he gets enough touches in the paint, in all honesty. He's a little out of control. Um, He's great defensively. I think he's a little eager to step up a lot of the times. Um, needs to get better kind of body control in moving around in the paint. But we need to do a better job of getting him at least one or two touches in the paint because um, forcing the defense to collapse to him will open up shooters on the outside. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's a little bit overeager, but this is his first time playing meaningful minutes in college. And I will say he did have somewhat of a coming out party in our second game of last week against Mississippi Valley State, where we won 86 to 52. Um, they had, I think, five points. He had a 
nice alley-oop and got to the line three times. I mean, he was 50% from the line, but he got there. He got the He got touches. Most of the time he just threw the ball off the backboard and was fouled. But I thought he played really well. In particular, I thought he rebounded really well. It seemed like he got every single rebound when he was on the floor. He only had eight rebounds, which I think that's got to be wrong. Because it seemed like every time on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, he was getting the rebound. Barrett, what do you take on that game? Yeah. Um, listen, I don't know if we can necessarily use this game as a great benchmark for how good of a team TCU is because Mississippi Valley State is a horrendously bad team. They are the worst. Bad. They are the worst team in the country. Out of like the 362 Ken Palm teams, they are ranked 362nd. Yep. Uh, going into this game, we mentioned it last week, or Jacob mentioned it last week because I was dying of AIDS. But um, <laughs> they averaged six assists. I can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> uh, six assists per game, which is terrible. Uh, TCU does not move the ball that well and I think we average like 26 assists per game Um, with that being said they beat their assist number for this game I was just checking I think they got like 7 so um, blew out a bad team is honestly what happened in this game and we did exactly what we should have so that bodes well. I mean, you look at the other games that this team has played, and it's been a similar score. Um, like you said, I thought Uday was a little bit better this game. We took care of the ball better. Um, Coles wasn't great. I know he was a little sick during this game. He had three turnovers, though. Would like for him to hang on to the ball a little bit better. Um, Miller looked good. Um he works his butt off yeah. when he's on the court. He makes great cuts. He's always, always moving and trying to find open space. And that translates in basketball. I'm not necessarily sure how well that translates at an NBA level. Um, but I think he, he could at least get a shot because of his just willingness to work, whether yeah. that's getting rebounds working on defensive side of the ball, working, cutting on the offensive side. He's he's just a hard-working dude. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know how much of an NBA future he has, but the dude works his tail off. He misses a lot of easy shots, especially yeah. layups. But he usually gets his rebound when he misses those shots, so maybe he's missing them on purpose and just a stat pad. But – uh, I, I think he's central to the team's success because of his work ethic. Yeah. Micah Peavy, the move to guard for this season, has been a fantastic move for his career. Um, even for long-term prospects of potentially playing in the NBA at some point, if he can get a three-point down, he didn't necessarily have the greatest size to be a three in the NBA, but he can be kind of that oversized two, three, three and D combo, similar to OG on an for the Toronto Raptors. And he takes care of the ball, which is my favorite thing about him. Yeah. Uh, coming from a team that had Damian ball, who's just running gun. Let's 
have 10 assists but 15 turnovers. At Avery Anderson gives me the same heartache. I love Micah Peavy so much just for the fact that he takes care of the ball and he's a solid defender. <laughs> Everything he does is controlled, which I think is underappreciated. We have Alcorn State this week on Tuesday. Barrett, what should we expect to see in this game? Yeah, um, I actually watched them play against Arkansas. They're not a good team, like you said. They're <laughs> 261st in the Kimpon rankings. They are 1-3, so they've won at least a game. Um, shout out to Alcorn State, I guess. Um, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, they're 42.3% shooting. Uh, they also don't necessarily play defense particularly well, and they've been outscored by 43 points this season. Um, Jeremiah Kendall is their their main offensive player. He's averaging 21 points per game and 10.7 rebounds per game. If Emmanuel Miller can shut him down and limit him to, say, 15 points, six, seven rebounds, this will be a blowout. And, and I think that, that bodes pretty well for us because a man, I think, is one of our better defenders. Same thing with PV. PV might match up against him a fair amount in this game. Um, Their other like kind of two guys to note would be Byron Joshua. He's a 5'10 point guard, 12 points per game, 9 assists to 12 turnovers on the season. Not that great, but he's got 12 points per game, not necessarily a facilitator. And then I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Decadron Thorne, um, 10 points per game. He's 50% from three, though, in three games. The Watching them play against Arkansas, their guards shot the lights out in that game. Like, they just couldn't really miss. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're that great, though. Uh, they made a lot of tough shots in that game. Uh Jeremiah Kendall is going to be the guy to key in on this, but I think that our athleticism overpowers this team that doesn't have a lot of depth and doesn't have specifically big man depth. If we can get Kendall into foul trouble or one of their big other bigs into foul trouble, it bodes well for us to be able to just abuse them. Yeah, I will say the nice thing about Kendall being a forward is that if Eman isn't having its best night, then we switch PV to him, who's six seven. If that doesn't work, we try Coles, who's six seven six eight. If that doesn't work, we put Chuck on him. If that doesn't work, we can honestly switch Uday to him. He's quick enough. Or even Anderson, who's a good defender. So we have defensive options just in case. Cork, even. Yeah, even Cork. All that being said, we've decided to do something a little bit new for the basketball season. Since we are basketball guys through and through, we've decided that we are going to create our own power rankings this this year. And Barrett and I both submitted ours. Connor got his car towed. And I can only <laughs> assume his power rankings were in the car. So I didn't get them from him. But I took Barrett and I's power rankings and basically averaged them out. Our first power rankings of the year. We have Kansas at number one, Houston at number two, Texas at three, TCU at four, 
Baylor at five, Iowa State at six, BYU at seven, Kansas State at eight, Texas Tech at nine, Cincinnati at 10, OU at 11, UCF at 12, West Virginia at 13, and Oklahoma State was a resounding last at number 14. Barrett, what are your thoughts on the Big 12 through two weeks of the season? Dude, first things first, Oklahoma State has been stinky bad. Stinky, yeah. stinky bad. Um, yeah, that, I'm just going to leave that there. They they got to fix that. Um, KU, still my number one, but they actually – and Kentucky's obviously a blue blood, and they're consistently pretty good. I don't think Kentucky's anywhere near where they have been in previous years, and KU looked very beatable against a Kentucky team that I think is in a down year this year. So that's something to note. For now, they're still my number one. I actually had Texas at number two. DeSue has been out, but they've kept the ball rolling through really strong guard play from Hunter and A. Smith. That, that's going to be a scary duo to deal with. Um, Houston, their defense looks good as always. And that's that's a staple of their program. That's going to continue to be a staple of their program. I, I actually have them ranked a little lower than Jacob does in my rankings, but because um, I think that they're going to take a step back. But for now, they've looked pretty good against not fantastic competition. Frogs, we've touched on them a lot. So far, we look pretty good. It's still kind of a bit of a wait and see to see whenever we start playing real decent teams, I would say. Um, the, the big thing for me, um, that I would say from shakeups is that I think Iowa state can very easily move up this ranking and Baylor can very easily fall. And Iowa state's defense has been forcing a ton of turnovers this year, and they've been shooting the lights out also from outside. So that's, that's a team to watch in this power rankings. I would say, uh, BYU, man, they beat a good San Diego State team that made the Final Four, and they've looked really good in their other their other games. I know you were high on them moving into the season. I I can see why now, I guess. Um, so another team to look out for. Uh, I'm really high on Cincy out of this group for the teams that are ranked lower. Um. I have them at number eight instead of number 10 in my rankings. Um, they've played decent against smaller teams, but they have looked a little beatable, but they've got a pretty good good defense set up there. Um, OU, I think, has potential to fly down these rankings as well because they've looked fantastic. But if you look at the teams that they have played, those teams are all in like the bottom 200 rankings of Ken Palm. They are all horrendously bad teams, horrendously bad. And so I think that OU is a little overinflated in terms of like where they're at right now versus where we probably think they will be by the end of the season. <laughs> That's kind of my, my big notes. The only other thing that I would add is that um, that Sellers kid from UCF is the truth. The dude is good, like scary good. And he's on a very, very bad team. 
And so he's not going to get the recognition that I think he rightfully deserves, but he's a guy to watch out for, for big 12 player of the year, just for the fact that he's going to put up some scary good numbers. Or somebody to watch out for in the transfer portal next year. If he doesn't go pro. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a nice pickup. Yeah. We kind of had the same rankings, both Kansas at one. I had Houston at two just because we did our own uh, our own preseason rankings. I had Houston at two. Didn't see a real reason to move them from there. I had Baylor at three. They're 4-0. They haven't really played anybody, but nobody's really played anybody to this point in the season. I agree with Barrett, though. They can definitely move down in the rankings. I had Texas at four just because I had them, I think, three. They only have three wins, and they didn't look convincing against Rice. They played, I think, a couple days ago. TCU at five. Barrett had them at three. Four works. Uh, yeah, I just think that we, we still have some stuff to fix. Potential, though, is through the roof. I had BYU ranked at six, actually, because I'm really high on BYU. I think they're going to cause teams a ton of trouble this year, especially at home. Plus, they have the best, other than Kansas beating Kentucky, they have the best win in the Big 12 right now. So I think they deserve to be ranked in the top half, which they are. And Kansas State, I think, will be higher. They just have that loss. Um, and haven't done enough to deserve passing a team that's above them yet. But ultimately, this will be a pretty competitive year in the Big 12. I think the top 10 teams are going to be really good. Everybody will be competing for a NCAA tournament berth. Um, I think out of the bottom four teams, West Virginia is probably the team with the best chance their loss against Monmouth doesn't look good. But they were without all world guard Kirk Krissa in that game. So. God. I mean, I hope he has just such a terrible season. Yep, me too. I hope, I hope he has the worst time. Uh, and I think your dog agrees with me. Yeah, she does, she does not like Kirk Krissa. <laughs> Anyways, that being said, we'll be releasing these power rankings every week. It'll be something fun to look for. We'll be releasing an edit on Twitter as well every week. So follow us at TCU's underscore three underscore wise men. Follow us on Twitter. Like and subscribe to the podcasts. Click all the buttons, whatever. And with that. We will see you next week. Thanks for watching and go Frogs.